0: separated your deep ball from everybody else my deep ball, it has a no little secret sauce to it man. <laughs> i never get too high never get too low but
1: just keep moving the, the whole story is carlos never beat me in
0: any kind of sports in in, in high school
1: welcome everybody to the cincy jungle super show post draft i'm ace boogie joined by my cincy jungle brethren anthony kazenza john sharon and zim Hude. fellas how we doing
2: <laughs> yeah, that sums it up yeah that's what the draft does man it just takes the <laughs> like you know, you just follow it for a total of what like like 18 hours for three days and then you just do all this stuff and it takes the wind out of you but it's it's a month long process months long process and it just it's over and it's just... Drink it feels up. Good to be yeah. over. Me,
1: me personally i know like we talked about the civil war i was i was honestly tired of it. i was so ready for the draft to get here Um, So we could all collectively come together and just unite around these draft picks. And I'm just glad that that finally has happened. It's still been some remnants of it still out there, but it's just good to to have everybody come together collectively and and finally be through the draft. And I think the next thing we're going to be wondering about is OTA's training camp and then there's that dead season. But it's good to at least have the draft, I think, through. Um, in my opinion, at
0: least. But no, we're not done, people. Hey, John, you, you, we're not done. We got the UDFAs. You know, it's time to really get into this. You you just getting started. We got we got know, Dylan, really- we got Dylan Moses out there on the street. We got some guys we got to grab up, bro. It's not over.
2: That's true. <laughs> I, I just, I just Put up a post, ready to be out there for. Uh, they signed uh, like an undrafted cornerback. They signed a they signed a punter from Ohio State. Ooh, so, okay.
0: How about how about the how about the Steelers uh, or I'm sorry Pittsburgh uh, the Squealers? How about their punter? Y'all get a load of that guy.
2: No, the, they drafted him in the seventh.
1: Yeah, he's about they his draft big, one. He's a big boy. He's a really big boy.
2: <laughs> Are <laughs> you he's sure it's the, not oh. Big Ben
1: masquerading as a punter? Are you sure it's not just Ben? I'm,
0: I'm convinced this is is his soulmate.
1: Is that the dude that's all tatted up?
0: I don't know about his tats, but he got a uh, belly on him and he's ready. to <laughs> He's ready. He's ready. To, he's ready to do a little bit more to play some football. He's ready to wrestle. He's ready to go to the buffet. He's ready to throw down and eat.
1: So part of my plan
0: is that he goes and eats, and Ben comes back out of shape. They meet up at buffets, and then they come back to the to the season. Joe's in shape, and we now have a little bit of an edge coming into the season.
1: <laughs> but just but, kicking things off, I guess. Like, what are your overall thoughts on? Uh, just a draft one through seven. We'll start with John. What are your thoughts on just like what the Bengals did in this draft? And if you could give a grade for it, I guess everyone can give their grade um, after you recap your thoughts on it.
2: Man, the grades um, like I, I don't want to say indifferent. I just feel like it's just it, like it's OK. Like obviously Chase is great. I think Carmen is, is slightly better than what people give him credit for. Um, I think a size one of the be- one of the better picks in the entire draft for any team, mm-hmm. and then the entire fourth round. It, it's weird because the Bengals don't normally dive into group of five players that early. Like they took Wyatt or excuse me, Logan Wilson last year out of Wyoming, and that was like the earliest we usually see them like take non power five players. So them getting Cam Sample and Deontay Smith. I didn't really know a lot about Smith, but I've heard a lot of good things about him. So it was, it was interesting to see them go a different route in that sense, but still address positions of need. And they seem to have a plan on offensive line. They want to start Carmen at guard, and they want to groom Smith into one of the tackle spots, preferably, I guess, right tackle um, after Riley Reef moves on. I think that's a fine plan. I just don't know a lot about some of these guys that they, that they invested in. It looked a little bit different. I think it's fine to take McPherson where they did. There's precedent with Jake Elliott, but it, it does seem now that it's different and it's not, it's not a true competition with Seibert. It's, it's like Seibert's gone. He's just here to stick around for camp and whatnot. And then I think Evans is fine in the sixth round and Hubert, whatever seventh rounder. so. I think, yeah, if you just want to give it a BB minus, B-, that's perfectly fine, but there's still a lot of projection and unknown in this class and they do probably need to hit on some of those day three guys and, it's really just a, a wait-and-see situation.
1: Sam, what were your thoughts on, on the draft, and what's your overall grade for it? Uh,
0: the the draft, you know, I, I made this little speech, and I put it on Twitter not too long ago, and it just was saying that, you know, everybody has a plan. I think John has, like, a different uh, perspective that I think that I can appreciate that's different than a fan like myself, whereas I, I take a dive into players or whatever, but it's, it's more so his job to – analyze players more of a, in a deep dive. And even you yourself Ace, going to and and cut the tape on and do like these deep drives, what deep uh, dives. I think everybody has a plan and we all have a plan and we all have these guys that we would, we would have did. And even after they executed the trade, which I think is the greatest thing that they did in the draft, I still find myself saying like, damn, let's trade back up and let's go get Creed or let's go get, you know, this guy or, you know, and it didn't work out that way but i will say this some of the guys that they did get that i absolutely knew nothing about like the kid from ecu i think if it's if it's what i'm seeing right now after now that i'm starting to go back go look at highlights first go look and see what other people are saying different things like that it could prove to be like a b plus maybe a minus but it's so it's so many variables out there on the guys that they pick that it's really hard for me to get a read and they did this philosophy that a lot of times does not work where it's like, and the Raiders do this every year. The Seahawks do this every year where we're going to draft our guy. We don't care what the consensus pick, you know, what the consensus feeling is. And they got to make sure that it, it works because the one thing that I was telling you is that they have no room for error with that second round pick after you go, you know, like me being the leader of team chase, you cannot like the round two, Carmen, it cannot be, like, any lingering stuff from no back surgery. It cannot be any of these other stuff because the public opinion of people like myself are going to be like, what are you thinking? Like, you had you had Dylan Raddis. You had – you're going to name – that's when you'll have all these people come back and say, you should have got this guy. You should have got this guy, whatever. So they better know what they're talking about with Carmen because that's the plan for Team Chase always was the round two guy has to start. It has to be – that is a premium pick. There's no room for error. I don't have no time for no projects, none of that stuff. So I think they did themselves a good deal by getting the trade and getting more and more players in there. And some of the guys like Shelvin, I would have probably went Bobby Brown at that time, or I would have went to some of the three techs around that time. And you can say that throughout the whole draft, but it's, it remains to be seen like how it's going to play out. I don't dislike anybody that they got. Whereas, like, I look back at the sample pick or certain picks that stand out to me in the history of Bengals and stuff, it just said I absolutely do not like that pick. I think it's just Carmen where it's at based on what we all thought it was going to be. Coming into the draft, I thought Carmen was, like, my sixth or seventh option at, at, at guard at or guard slash tackle. So we'll see how it plays out. But overall, a B, I think it has the potential to go A- minus if Carmen just hits. They, they just gotta hit on one of one of the three out of the defense, the defensive up front guys, they gotta hit out on two out of three with the offensive line guys. Just because of what they did to get to
3: that point. So that's my overall
1: thought. AC, what do you think?
3: Look, I mean, this entire offseason, whether it was in free agency or going into the draft, this was, you know. It's always exciting to get a plethora of wide receivers, the, the the edge players, all that kind of stuff, but this, I've kind of been saying it for a while, this is kind of a meat and potatoes type of draft, and it needed to be. They needed to shore up both lines, they needed to get big bodies on both defense and offense, and they did that. Uh, they may not have been some of the, the bodies that, uh, you know, a lot of us would have picked or w- were mocking to the team, but there is a there is a possibility in my mind's eye. I was kind of thinking, you know, maybe by 20, 2023, and I know that's a couple years down the road. But the three offensive linemen that they drafted this weekend could be starting offensive linemen for them in a, in a year, two years, right now. Um, you know, if if it all pans out. Now that's that's kind of pie in the sky thinking, meaning you hit on all three guys. But I really like Trey Hill. Um, I I like. I thought that pick was good value. Joseph they aside, it. they had to have. Yeah, that was a great pick, man. And 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 I think you, you got some guard center versatility there. You have potential guard tackle versatility with with Carmen. I know he wasn't everybody's favorite. There are some things to work on, but the size and the fact that he played at a big program and they entrusted him to protect one of the best college football quarterbacks that has come out in a very long time at Clemson, protect his blind side, and he did so at a pretty high level. He moves really well for 320-plus pounds, close to 330. The thing I liked about it, he wasn't my favorite guy. And credit to John because we did listener questions live on Friday afternoon, and he pegged that he pegged that Jackson Carmen pick. Look, the thing I like about it that was their guy. They could have picked him at thirty-eight, and it could have been deemed to reach. It may still be deemed to reach eight picks later, but they got two more picks, and they they got more needs taken care of right down the road. So, right, I guess how I look at this thing is yeah you may have they, you're kind of going man they really stacked up on defensive line yeah they got three offensive line and maybe that's a little overkill but this team has been absolutely ravaged by injuries and they need depth they need bodies and they need to get after the quarterback and they need to protect the quarterback and I think that they while, while it may not be the super all-star names in this year's class I think they did a pretty solid job i would I would give it a b the, the thing I do worry about to, to zim's point the medicals and the other question marks on some of these guys, you know, Chris Evans, really <laughs> exciting football player. I really like the athletic profile and the, and his ability to potentially contribute, but right. I mean what 16 carries last year. And, right. and so you go, okay, that's a big question mark. You already have question marks around everybody because either they, a lot of these guys either opted out or they uh, had limited games last year, as did pretty much the entire college football slate. So then you're throwing in a guy like Carmen, who's got the back stuff, the, the medical thing can't come back and bite them. That's that's the big thing. And these other right. question marks on some of these, it, you can't have that bite them. They better be damn sure that these guys are going to be ready to play and contribute early on. So um, I, I, I think the I, would yeah, I, I would go BB plus. Yeah, I would go BB plus. I like a lot of what they did, and I like that trade back in the second round. But um, I don't think it's an absolute home run, but I, I like a lot of things they did.
0: No, I just I, have to, I, I, I saw ahead. a comment I, I had to – Somebody said, we just signed another punter, but we're never going to punt again. So that was kind of a waste. <laughs> I'm with you.
1: Apparently, we just signed, uh, I think it was Puka as well, the running back. Uh, Puka Wood oh, nice. it seems that we just signed him as well. Um, for me, I said it on Twitter. I think it was a, a A-1 for me, and that's just because I'm kind of in the minority. But when I was talking to Zim... One of the things that we we harped on before, like we even had the Civil War when it was just about wide receiver or best player available. I was like, we got to get the trenches right. we got to get the trenches right in terms of the offensive line, not not just the offensive line, but the defensive line as well. You know, having the Ravens run for a record number of yards on us um, and also making that we only had 17 sacks on defense. That was a big deal for me in terms of what they needed to do there. And you look at all of these big, massive bodies that they just spent uh, on the second to the end of the rounds, honestly, the end of the draft, on big linemen, like offensive linemen and defensive linemen and edge rushers. I mean, this was a team that really didn't have any depth. We got rid of Carlos Dunlap. They had to do something. I was texting Khalid Kareem, and even he was saying, like, we need to get more people in there. Uh, So to see them go after him and get him and get a guy like Osai, especially in the third round, um, I think was a steal. And just hearing the story about – the Jackson Carmen thing. I also just like John did, like my last dra- my draft just randomly I just decided to throw Jackson Carmen in there. It just was how it like fell and I was like, well, I've heard Willie talk about this guy and this was before I even talked to Willie. And I was like, well, I'll just throw him in there. He might be a guy to consider. And then um, on the day that it was about to happen, um, Willie says call me and he's like, yeah, you know, Duke talked to talked to me about him. I gave him a good a good um, review. Um, he asked, could he play right guard and tackle and left guard? And I said, yes, he can do that. I've worked with them. They just kind of did their due diligence, and they also talked to—I um, heard uh, the head coach at Clemson as well. So they did their due diligence on all of these guys. So a lot of that stuff with people just thinking that they just took Jack Jackson Carmen just to take him. Uh, they did not. No, no, they did no, no, their no, due no, diligence. No, no. no that's you that your guy. <laughs> exactly. They talked to. They talked to uh Paul Alexander. And like at the time I heard that they were targeting him um, in the late to second, in the late second round. So that was confusing to me because I had to reach out to like Malik Wright and stuff. And I'm like, Oh, what, what did you hear? And he was like, no, I heard 38. And I'm like, that's not what I heard. And so I figured that they were going to make a trade because I was like, we have an early second round pick. I didn't know if they were going to trade back or trade up, but I knew that something was going to happen there and to see them get the two picks with the fourth rounders was just amazing to me for them to get that value was just crazy. Um, And so I think that really set the tone for the draft for me Hearing Willie Anderson, co-signed Jackson Carmen. That was all I needed to hear. I'm not an expert offensive line evaluator. I couldn't tell you what great offensive line technique is. I'm not going to lie to you. So when Willie told me that I was like, cool, I'm sold on it. It's a guy that played for a top program. As Anthony said, Clemson, I'm all in. They loved his video on Chase Young was one thing that they told me as yeah. well um, against Chase Young. So that pretty much sold me on it. And and after that, uh, we ended up getting a lot of guys in the trenches. And then we got a kicker, which we needed, which I felt like was a super underrated need because I also do another podcast that's called the AFC North Talk with all of the guys. And Austin Seibert came from Cleveland. There was a guy that literally got on my show called Quincy – a carrier he's a huge browns youtuber yeah. he literally has videos dedicated to how bad Austin Cyber is <laughs> so when we signed him I was worried because I was like this guy is worse than Randy
0: Bates hey, did so, you did you notice that they had the Austin Cybert jerseys in the pro shop and stuff like <laughs> and right when the draft started those in the Trey Hopkins had, ones. Yeah right right I was like what is what's that about I just want to point out another comment Michael Jordan not Michael Jordan that's oh. Michael Jordan's brother said, "Please show us that white jersey, Anthony." I Anthony mean, the same one. thing because it's one. a lot of people out here that still don't have a jersey, bro. Like that's yeah, that's I, mixing. That's the white mixing. That's that's special right there. Yeah, it's right.
3: nice. My gift from my brother. Thank you. So thanks to him. Pretty cool. I'm I'm stoked on it. Fits nice. I like it.
1: Right, but for me, it's an A minus just because of the trenches. I mean, I really loved. The Tyler Shelvin pick. I just imagine like I'm not going to say that he's going to make the roster, but I just imagine Renell Wren and him sitting next to each other <laughs> and just daring anybody to like try to run the ball on that because you just have two massive human beings there. Um, I love that. The Trey Hill, as you guys said, I love that as well. The more I read up on Chris Evans, the more that I like him. Uh, he was a guy that kind of flew under the radar because I think he got suspended or something like that academic some kind of academic mistake, quote unquote, that they had. I mean, I'm not expecting these guys to be world scholars. I mean, they're professional athletes. So um, that just equaled to me, let's tread on the tires. And it seemed like Zach was really excited about him. At first, I thought he was going to be primarily a special teams guy. From what Zach Taylor said in his press conference, sounded like a guy that could fit the geo role. And now they just picked up Puka as well. So I just saw them throw a lot of Pook. a lot of darts at positions of need and I, I love what they did with it. So for me, I'm actually going to give it a minus because I'm just mm-hmm. going on Willie and, and his faith in Jackson Carmen. And I know that they're also going to have Willie working with Jackson Carmen uh this off season as well. And I just think that, and I also saw Chris Sims say that he felt like uh, Carmen was the second best guard in the draft. Um, So for me, I'm just going to pretend that Carmen is going to work out. He's going to be a, Uh, average to above average guard and that's all we really needed on this team and on this line and uh, with that you add in Jamar Chase of course the the LSU offense is essentially in effect we got that Miles he was calling for Terrace Marshall at one point during the draft you got Joey B I mean the sky is just the limit I mean the trenches are fixed to me you got Jamar Chase that's the icing on the cake and I just really want to see what this team does but they got a big nucleus of champions and Apparently, Tigers, LSU, and Clemson Tigers—pretty much ten percent of the twenty nineteen national championship mm-hmm. matchup was pretty much on this team, and I'm here for it. Keep that same energy all season, Ace, because they're gonna be, they gonna be like Ace. Hey, you remember after the draft, you
0: were saying that we had—we came out of there with an A minus. Don't you back yep. up on us now?
1: Well, I mean, <laughs> obviously, with drafts, you gotta wait until three years. But as of now. I got to say what I, what I got to say. I mean, there was a time where I I think I went back to 2015 and I loved the Paul Dawson pick. I hated the CJ Uzoma pick. So, I mean, you never know. Well, yeah,
3: funny how that worked out, right? <laughs> uh, you know, it, it the usually when the Bengals have end up trading back and getting more picks and all that kind of stuff, I go, oh, man, a lot of these guys aren't going to make the roster. They're not going to help out. I, I feel a little bit differently about even though they, they gained two more picks, I just feel like there's more – competition and more openings for for these guys to actually come in and contribute and that's kind of what makes me excited about it I think if that if I had some knocks I I wanted the Bengals to draft a kicker I think fifth is maybe a little early but hey if that's the guy they want I'm sure Darren Simmons pounded the table for that kid um and the other thing with it is I, I would have liked to maybe had one one more true pass catcher later on on day three maybe another wide receiver that was sitting out there maybe a tight end something like that but uh I mean like we said, guys, I mean, I just kind of feel like needs are met and there there weren't a lot of reaches and even ones that you, if you want to consider Jackson Carmen a reach, they got two picks for it right? by moving right. back and getting them. So it's just kind of like I, I didn't see them really stumbling over their own feet like we've
2: seen a couple of times in the past. This is a good segue for Chris Evans because you mentioned that they didn't add another true pass catcher. Chris Evans came to Michigan as a slot receiver. Yep. I don't know. I don't know where he. I think he was from Indianapolis or something like that. But I mean, he came to Michigan in 2016. He was originally a receiver. He transitioned to running back and he averaged like over five yards or like six yards of carry for the first three seasons. And like Ace mentioned, he was suspended for the entire 2019 season due to an academic mistake. During that suspension, he worked three jobs in Ann Arbor: a carpenter, a dishwasher and a special teams coordinator at a local high school. And he was really um, credited for handling that whole suspension well. As soon as I read up on that, and then someone hit me up about a couple weeks ago that the Bengals were were inter- interviewing Evans multiple times over Zoom. I knew that there was a connection there. And I knew that they were going to love his character. And the fact that Ace mentioned he only has 320 carries uh, under his belt. And even though he's on the older side, like he's fresh and he's not necessarily just a running back, even though I think he's great in pass protection. He fills that geo role well, but... Since they didn't add another receiver, they don't really have a true replacement for Alex Erickson. I think he, I think he does get a lot of snaps at slot in the preseason. He can carve out a little niche role there and definitely make the roster at the end of the day. That's a great point.
0: Right to to watch some of the guys though, that was one of the things that kind of hurt me. I think watching the draft is like some of the guys that, and I tweeted this too. I think is that some of the guys that I like watching them go to our opposition and seeing like a Taiwan Wallace late just sitting right there or Darden sitting right there, people that I, I just think like some impact players or like guys that I just know in my heart of hearts could have, you know, you know, you, you needed an Alex Erickson replacement somewhere. Like I, I know people don't think that's a big deal, but the special teams took a big hit um, this off season. So like one of the things coming in this draft is I was like, I knew that they had to drive a uh, trade back at some point to get some picks. And, to see a lot of those guys, you know, go, it was a little frustrating. And I think that's where it kind of curves my grade a little bit too, because I'm like, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I'll say that. But, but if they can utilize people like Evans, like like they haven't before, you know, like that's something that I'm going to be looking for because they have to get every single thing that they can out of these guys. But I think this the theme of this draft is we're going to stop piling these areas. And we don't have to hit with the exception, with the exception of Carmen, he has to hit like it. it there is no excuses for him. Uh, but the exception of that, I feel like they have opportunities to say, okay, this guy may or may not work, just like they did with linebacker last year. A lot of people say, why didn't they draft like because JOK was sitting on the board and they could have got JOK at one point early, in there. and I know they love Notre Dame prospects so. They, I think the way that they did it, I see their philosophy and I see how it could work. It gives them opportunity for guys to not hit and they still be fine. And we never have to go back to it. That was part of the Jamar Chase thing to me. And I was selling Ace that on his live stream too. It's like we have our core trio. We don't have to come back for a premium pick, at a wide receiver for a while. Like the next three years is locked in. These are our three guys. If you go and get some slot later on or whatever, I think that once they got the chase, it just set the tone. Mike Thomas getting signed before the, you know, before the draft itself, it, it kind of sent out a signal like, okay, well, this is the replacement. So some of these things gave me clarity as we as we went along. But I think they made their core defensive front. They made their core wide receiver um, just by getting chased. They made core positions like a thing of of strength, maybe for the future, maybe not immediately. But it gives them room. So next year, if you're if you believe in the Bengals, then you're saying, okay, they'll be drafted in the middle of the pack or twenty-something, but well, we know that's a corner. You know, like I think they set themselves up for winning later on based on the the picks that I, I had. And I was telling Ace too, I talked to a player not too long ago and said and he outlined four games where they absolutely got their ass kicked up front. And I think Zach Taylor was re- um, he was recapping the whole draft and he said, look, we just couldn't have that happen again. I couldn't. He didn't say this. Uh, uh, I'm paraphrasing. But they couldn't come out there with freedom. Uh, uh, what's the other kid? Amani Bledsoe.
1: Bledsoe. Amani yeah. yeah.
0: Bledsoe, another dude on the street with like with, that 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 hurt us. I couldn't tell you all that at press conferences, but that hurt us really, really bad. And we decided we're never gonna let that happen again. And for the average friend that's just sitting at home saying, Give me more offensive line, why aren't you driving Trace men? Like that that's a different perspective that I think people needed to hear too, is that that really hurt this staff and that hurt this team. And they just made a conscious decision that we're not gonna go down that road again.
2: And the Dude, other thing
1: I, go ahead, go ahead, John.
2: Just real quick, after they drafted Shelvin, I counted it up. They have they had 14 defensive linemen on the roster. They usually <laughs> carry 14 insane. to 15 when they enter training camp, and that's after, like, a couple undrafted free agent signings. And Freedom and Amani are still part of that, and they may get outed. So the entire group, complete upheaval aside from, like, DJ and Sam Hubbard. That's that's very clear.
1: Definitely, definitely. I was going to say the, the other thing, too, is they're still not done yet. When me and Zim were watching the post-draft uh, interview with, with Zach, someone asked him, are you still going to sign uh, players in free agency? <laughs> he was like, "Oh yeah, there's positions that we didn't address um, that we will still mm-hmm. be signing free agents for." And they were like, "Which positions?" And he was like, "Well, I'm not going to give you all of that." And he started to laugh. So it's very interesting to kind of think like they didn't take a tight end, they didn't take a corner, you know, they didn't take some a linebacker. So I
0: think that, like, that late wide receiver that I just knew was coming that wide never seen.
1: So yeah, it's it's interesting to see who those guys will be that they're that they're looking at. And if I'm not mistaken, and, and John, you might know this, I believe the deadline for the compensatory picks to count ends on Monday or something like that. Like if you sign a free agent or a UFA or unrestricted free agent, I believe on Monday it no longer counts as a compensatory pick or anything like that, which in the past has, has uh, caused them from pursuing guys because mm-hmm. back when they got picked up Brandon LaFell, that's one of the reasons that they waited so long to pick him up um, so I'm interested to see who else they pick up. Were there I'm any looking, uh, UDFAs uh, or anything that you guys were looking into, like that they should go after? Or
3: someone said that Sage Surratt, the uh, Wake Forest wide receiver, that guy interests me. I just kind of took a quick peek. I, I think this is as of a couple of weeks I want ago. Marvin though, I want um, yeah. Oh, he did. Okay, I think.
0: Marvin Wilson.
1: Signed. With yeah, I Browns, think someone yeah. did say he signed with the Browns. Yeah, right, right,
0: right. You're at the beginning, Dylan Moses. Let's uh, let's
1: get into that. What do you guys think about like? I don't know if you know per se all of the picks. I remember like keeping a little eye on the division. What do you guys think of like cool. the rest of the division? For me personally, I know Zim. Y'all gonna fry me again? That Browns draft kind of scared me, bro. Like for them to get JOK and to get Newsom. And I think they had another pick. I think it was Ben Cleveland or the Ravens. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Some of those some of those picks by even the Steelers with Najee Harris and stuff like that. Those were picks where I feel like the rest of the division did good too. the Ravens finally trying to get some receivers. You talked about um, it was his name. Tylon Johnson. Taiwan Wallace. Wallace. Wallace.
0: Um, it, it, you know what's crazy? He works so well. I think he's gonna work so well. And I hate it that that's the perfect wide receiver for, yep. for uh for uh Jamar. I mean
2: for Lamar <laughs> Jackson. <Jamar> Jackson, Carmen.
0: <laughs> Lamar Jackson. I was about to say Jamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson.
2: Yeah,
1: I think I'll I have to look at it, but Man, all I can say is Cleveland is loading up on defense. Like they, in, from free agency to to the draft, um, they lo- they're loading up. But I think they also have to load up for us. But I think the rest of the division has some solid drafts as well. I still think, like even talking to some of the guys around the division, they felt like we were in the driver's seat to have the best draft. And I think they were saying that in general. But a lot of them, just like our fans said, they thought if we would have taken Tevin Jenkins instead. That we would have been the big winners of the draft to be able to get Jamar Chase and um, Jenkins, Tevin Jenkins, in the second round.
3: I, I think it's interesting. I don't know if it was intentional or not by some of these teams, but there there was kind of this chess match going on in the in the division. You see Jamar Chase get drafted by the Bengals at five. Four. What Four. do the Browns do? Greg Newsom, right? Uh, and and then you know you, you see the Bengals uh, loading up on on some defensive linemen, doing some things on defense, and lo and behold. Teams in the division kind of getting some offensive linemen and doing some things that way. The Bengals obviously doing things on the defensive line, not only to be able to rush the passer more effectively, no matter who they play, but getting bodies and getting athletic people up front to be able to defend Lamar Jackson and the multi dimensional approach that he brings. The thing is, guys. I was saying this. I think it was. Uh, I think it was actually to my parents earlier because they were asking me, "What's going on with the draft?" Um, <laughs> and uh, so I was talking to them, and I, I said, "You know, number one, I think if the, if the Bengals, no matter how many times they lose in tw- in twenty one and beyond, they're going to lose fun. I mean, they're going to put up points. They're not. There's not going to be these thirty five to nine type of lopsided scores against the Steelers and the Ravens like we've seen over the past couple of years, but." I do think that with these moves, they've intentionally. I know the goal is, like John and I have talked about, the goal is to get past those Chiefs, kind of emulate what they do. But I mean, that for the first step to that is to get through the AFC North and and really compete with the big brothers in there. And I think that um, you know, I, I, I think that some of these picks kind of exude the attitude of, hey, we're we're doing what we can to get get past these guys because really in the past couple of years those big games against the Steelers and the Ravens they they stomped the Bengals and even when when Joe Burrow was in a couple of those games they stomped them and they both on offense and defense so they needed to make some big changes and I feel like the Bengals strategically approached the draft to do that but the response by some of these teams too and the players that they picked after the Bengals picked some players I kind of know I I took note of that
1: yeah definitely i mean i think the division like when, when we grabbed Joey B, that put the entire rest of the division on notice. And, you know, there were ways that they could attack us, but with us beefing up in the trenches and us getting guys like Jamar Chase, like you said, Cleveland went out and got a corner. You saw them start to get offensive alignment. You see the Ravens try to get receivers because if you're going to have to compete with this offense potentially and we're, we're um, outgunning you, you're going to have to have some pass catchers to throw to other than just Mark Andrews. Like, that's just not going to cut it. You're not going to be able to be the 2005 or 2007 uh, Atlanta Falcons and just run it to death against this defense, especially with us taking uh, guys like the the nose tackle out of LSU. And it's just going to be interesting, man. This is a great division. I think, honestly, the AFC North is the best division in football. Uh, It's going to be a battle, and I can't wait to see it. But I do think that we do have – The number one receiving core in the division hands down now, especially with Jamar Chase, T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. We have something that is the best in the AFC North at this moment. And I think we got some building blocks to to build on. Honestly,
0: I think they looked at 2005, just like I tell you all the time. And I think they just said, you know, like what are the you know, like maybe when they were designing the jerseys. They said, like, what are some what are some moments in, you know, Bengals' history that we, we've had the most success? And in, in anybody will tell you, like, that 2005 team just couldn't be stopped. And I think a lot of the different things that they've done have created, like, the foundation for some of those things. Like, to try to emulate something is very, very tough, especially in professional sports. But I think a lot of the different um, – you, you spoke about the wide receiver trios. That's the one thing that really stood out. And every time I would tell TJ that, he was like, yeah, but the line. Like we would never be anything like without the line, you know. So I think they made a really conscious effort to go get the, the same kind of profile guys to be, you know, nasty in the trenches up front. And, you know, that that's the biggest thing that I wanted everyone to understand. It's like just because Chase is a flashier pick doesn't mean that your whole draft is lost or it's flashy. And I think they proved that you know, like we're going to stockpile these different areas and we're going to beef it up. I'm I'm looking at the Ravens draft as as you were saying it too. They went first round. Oh damn, I had to pull it up. They had uh, they had first round. They went uh, uh, Bateman, which I hated. Then they went uh, uh, Jason from Penn State, the linebacker. Then they went Ben Cleveland. Then they went corner corner heavy. So, Sean Wade. I I
1: thought that that was impressive that they got yep. Sean Wade in the fifth. I didn't like that.
0: Right, they got Sean Wade in the fifth. They got Taiwan Wallace. So one thing I told you, Ace, I said before the draft, uh, it's so many things that we've talked about on our show that actually just really happened. I said, the Ravens, if they want to do, if they're going to exercise Lamar's fifth-year option, the only way that they could really gauge, is this the guy forever? Like, you know, I don't even know why they would still be asking that question. But let's say that they were, because there are a lot of people that don't believe in you had to go get him some type of weapons. And I think they did a really good job of adding the weapons that they added at the spots that they did. And then to Anthony's point is they came back with corner, corner heavy. Like it's some really valuable spots. So I think, yeah, like, yeah, the division is no joke, bro. Like it's like, I think a lot of Bengals fans will probably look at it from a a Bengals glass, you know, the, the Bengals goggles on or whatever. I know John never looks at anything with Bengals goggles on, but yeah, they, they did some stuff that I think to combat us because I kept on yelling and screaming at everybody saying, When are we gonna do some stuff that's gonna make everybody come back and, and, and come back and do something based on what us cause we saw we saw Lamar Jackson go out there? What do we do? Draft three mm-hmm. athletic linebackers that can keep up with him, right? So mm-hmm. now we see the division like, oh, okay, they they wanna load up at wide receiver. Okay, let's get our corners good. Cause Ravens arguably have like top five corner, you know, corners in the NFL. They just loaded up even more. And that's one of the things I kept on saying. It's like, okay, if you're going, we're gonna dictate personnel. I think they made a conscious effort too to get corners that can tackle in space as well. So I thought that was that was very telling uh to Anthony's point, like Cleveland and Ravens clearly. Pittsburgh, I mean they did what Pittsburgh did. I mean baby Grump you know they're always gonna, they're always gonna have a baby Grunt though. Pat, uh, I can't pronounce his last name. Pat Frammer.
1: Frammer. I don't. I don't. Know
0: but they're always gonna have a baby Grunt, and they're always gonna work in that system, and we're always gonna hate those guys. And it is what it is, you know. And Najee Harris, you know, like, you know, they they everybody and their mom had them mock him. My mom doesn't even watch football, and she probably is like, yeah, I, I bet you the spoilers are gonna get Najee Harris because it's just. It, just, was just, it was just—it was already it's written. It. So it was yeah. like one of the things. is like I knew it was happening. I know right. my Squillers fans. I run a, a Bengals versus Steelers page. He texts me immediately, and he's like, <laughs> "Yeah, here we come!" And you know, here we come, and throwing I, uh, yellow memes and stuff at me and all that. Crap.
3: And I don't want to cut you off, Zim, and I don't want to—I don't want to step on uh John because I think he had something to say. But I just thought it was really interesting in terms of the Steelers draft. It just kind of seemed, you know. Yeah, the Bengals were playing a little need-based in terms of their their who they picked in their first couple of picks. But it really, really seemed for a team that's picking in the 20s and the perennial powerhouse that Pittsburgh is, their picks were really driven by need. Um, and it, to me, it seemed that way. You know, they needed a running back. They lost Connor. They don't have Le'Veon Bell anymore. They needed a running back. They want to be grounded pound, especially in the last couple of years of Ben's uh Career. They wanted to go offensive line. They wanted to get that tight end. They got their next Heath Miller, probably right. I mean, a guy that they're, you know, we're gonna hear mooth probably right when they, when every time that guy <laughs> catches, catches a football. So um it just felt like they, there's for a team that was picking late. Just seemed a little bit more need based, and I that struck me as a little odd. I mean. For starters,
2: the Browns' draft was really good. The Anthony yeah. Schwartz pick is bizarre; yeah. it's a little bit early for that, but I yeah. mean that's exactly the type of receiver that they needed. The Browns are just really good; they're, they're they should be the favorites to win the division going forward. It's really up to just Baker Mayfield just being more than who he is, and like the Ravens and Steelers, like they could be like treading watered a little bit, but like they're still ahead of the Bengals and the Bengals are playing catch up. And that's more or less why I think Zim said this the best leading up to the draft chase is the way that you fast track that progress, right? Cause, cause you can, you can commit to building that 2005 offensive line. But that takes a shit ton of resources and probably multiple years to get it to that level. Or you can just add another receiver. You can tra- go out and get a free agent in Riley reef. You can go out and get a second round guard and you can fast track that progress. And I think and with the Ravens, it, it was funny how they were so unsuccessful in signing a receiver. They went up to the Galladay, they tried to get some um, I think Juju was was in the mix too. They just settled on Sammy Watkins. So you knew they were gonna add some receivers because they did need to add to that as well. But I just think it's I think it's funny how this draft in this offseason has a level of symmetry to last year because the Bengals' biggest need last year was linebacker. We all expected them to invest in free agency. They whiffed on like on Showbird and maybe another guy, and they settled on Josh Bynes. And then they drafted the three guys all throughout the draft to just f- fill the need. Just don't worry about it. This year, we expected them to be aggressive in offensive line. They whiff on some guys throughout offensive line throughout the draft, fill that need, get get the depth, right? It's it's funny how they, they always seem to find themselves in these same patterns whenever they address a certain need because they're never going to be the team that shells out and gets a Joe Tooney or gets the best player at their biggest position of need. They always find a way to just fill it w- with depth and with quantity over quality. And at, at, at some point it just has to work and it has to, it has to hit in order for them to catch up to these other teams, because Ace is right. This is the most competitive division in, in the NFL. And maybe none, neither of these three teams can compete with the bills and the chiefs. But I think the Bengals have set them up to be in that conversation. If these things go right.
1: No, I'm with John on that. I think one thing I, I noticed just from working with the other guys around the AFC North, it was the first time that I actually had to watch all of the, our divisional opponents' games to truly evaluate that. Like I'm not, I'm not, I, I, not right, right. Have you done a show with them? You haven't done a show with them after. I haven't, I've gotten their thoughts on certain stuff because okay. they, they pulled in and out. But the the one thing that I noticed is that Joe Burrow is the key to us beating all of these other teams. I truly believe that even and people call me crazy because Lamar Jackson won an MVP. Joe Burrow to me can just do different things that he can't do. And I think like John was hinting at. We can do things that some of those teams can't do Uh, in terms of offensively putting up points. You talk about Jamar Chase. You talk about Joe Burrow. I truly believe that he's the X factor. The Browns, like John is saying, yeah, they're at the top right now. The thing that's the secret weapon for me to strike them is when Baker Mayfield has to get paid $40 million a year, whenever they're going to have to do that, whenever they're going to have to pay him that big boy money, that is the time for us to pounce on them because a lot of that talent that they have around him they won't be able to afford. And the clock is also ticking on Lamar Jackson as well. They're going to have to give him Pat Mahomes-type money, and that's going to cause them to lose a lot of those players. And that's the difference between them and us because when we give Joey B that money, He's a guy that can elevate this entire team. We're already going to have those guys locked in and we're going to be in a much better position investing in Joe Burrow than investing that Joe Burrow type money in someone like Baker Mayfield. And that's not to talk down on Baker Mayfield, but he's just not Joe Burrow to me. And he's not going to elevate the team once that talent gets away from him.
3: Yeah. Hard to disagree. Hard to disagree. And I think, uh, you know one of the things we talked about friday and i think zim when you when you came on after the chase pick when we did the the reaction um you know what what one of the things that'll negate the pass rush and these quarterback hits on burrow that we saw last year is the, the ability to be a, a little bit more of a spread look offense where with all of these weapons out there and the ability to to get all these weapons out there. And, yeah, they shored up the offensive line with the three guys they brought in and Riley Reef and Quentin Spain that they brought in in, in free agency. But the ability to, to really have, you know, true th- – three weapons, three true weapons at wide receiver immediately, maybe even more, Um, you know, you you throw in this Chris Evans kid, maybe in the slot, like John mentioned, maybe he can be, you know, an Antonio Gibson light type of player. You know, you can do a lot of different things with him, and, you know, you're, you're able to kind of spread it out and keep a defense on its heels a bit more rather than this kind of tee off type of situation. And obviously you've fortified things up front. So when the Bengals play these teams, I'm very optimistic that we're not going to see the amount of hits, the amount of sacks, and we're not going to see these, especially against the the Ravens and the Steelers. Like I said before, I'm I'm optimistic that even if the Bengals lose, there's not going to be this ridiculously lopsided score. There's going to be – that there is a significant – closing of the gap between the Bengals and what they've been the past couple of years comparative to the Steelers and the Ravens. I know the Bengals beat the Steelers late last year. I, I I remember don't, I didn't forget it, but I'm just saying, I think we've seen quite a few in the last two, you know, two, three seasons where the Bengals have been absolutely shellacked by Pittsburgh and Baltimore. And I think what they're, what they've been trying to build here and uh, in the draft this year, I think they've, they've been able to achieve something where their offense is going to give them a much different look than they've had in the past couple of seasons. And hopefully, you know, close that gap, maybe being able to split games in the division a little more frequently than they have been able to do. So.
0: Yeah. I, I think they put a lot of, I'm going to tell you just one thing too. Uh, I was talking to Ace earlier today too. We have a lot of conversations before we even <laughs> talk. And I think that's what what allows us to wing it on these shows so damn much. But it's, um uh, the pressure is going to be on Lou Anarumu very, very early because I, I went back and counted acquisitions since he's been the coach and then we're talking about now like what we just did in this draft and and, and coming with that defensive front and what made me bring that up, somebody in the comments said, uh, what about Gino? We can still get it. I feel like they they 100% went full in on, on, on Lou Anarumu's project to the point where People like Gino like kiss that goodbye. Like they just draft, they just drafted way too many people at that position mm-hmm. now. Where a person like Gino wouldn't even come. In. Like this is full on on you. If Joe is moving the chains and th- and and the defense fails to make consistent stops early in the season, based on all of the acquisitions that they've given Lou Arumu, it puts a lot of pressure on him to be the first, as we've seen with Terrell Austin and some of these other guys, whatever, like the pressures on him early on. And um, I just think that's one of the things I'm going to be checking out early in the season. It's like, I'm not looking for Joe Burrow to throw 40 plus times just because I have Jamar Chase. You cannot pay Joe Mixon that amount of money and not have him heavily, heavily, heavily involved in this scene. I don't care if it's, Will Rouse, I don't, think, I don't care if it's just any type of misdirection stuff that they want to do for him, whatever. They have to get very creative with Joe Mixon to make it make sense with the money-wise. And as they learned in the year one of Joe Burrow project, you don't have you don't have the ability to take that many chances at Joe Burrow dropping, that back, dropping back that many times early in his career like that. So year one, is has got to be about this defense stepping up in some very, very key spots because Joe Burrow cannot bail you out every single time you go down by a, a X amount of points uh, coming fresh off of ACL surgery. I'm down 14 points. I can't just have Joe Burrow throwing it, you know, 40-plus uh, times a game. And so that's what I think ultimately puts a lot of pressure on him. He can't. This This team cannot go down. They cannot go down with big margins early in games and stuff and expect Joe Burrow to come in here just because we have these weapons and just unload it and unleash hell. Now that's coming. I see a lot of people in the crowd that feel like my soul, I'm going to put 40 on you. And I'm going to, you know, like, I, that's me. I'm all about that. I'm going to drop points. And like Anthony said, if I lose, I want to lose with some points on the board. Like, but you got to be smart and think about, like, this is a, we got a lot riding on this. If you're one that teaches that, a Team Chase CEO guy right here telling you that you don't have the luxury to just say, I'm going to drop back 50 times with this guy because no. it's too much on the line, and they got to be able to have the defense back them up, and they cannot afford to go down in these games. Based off of all of this stuff that I've seen, they've, they've, they've given him a lot of different pieces. Wait,
1: Wait, yeah. oh,
2: I'm, I'm, sorry, I'm, I'm sorry, Ace, but like I, I don't – when you win comfortably, you don't throw the ball 40 times a game and you don't win, you don't win comfortably anymore without right. throwing the ball successfully. It, it's going to it's going to depend on how successful those first 20 25 passes are. You don't want the bulk of your passing production coming from attempts 26 through 40. That's, that, I think that's a misconception because people are like, don't have burrow drop back 50 times. That only happens if your defense is giving up points, right. you have to keep up with that. Right. That's how you score. And that's how you win comfortably. And I think it was, I think it was also cool to hear offense coordinator Brian Callahan after the Chris Evans pick. I think someone asked him about um, the the rotation going forward with Mixon, and he made a comment saying, I I don't want to take Mixon off the field anymore. And I didn't take that as they're going to run Mixon into the dirt like Todd Gurley. I took that as they're going to use Mixon multiple ways. They're going to use him as a receiver. They're going to get multiple running backs on the field, which should have been the plan all along. And Mm -hmm. I'm glad it is the plan now that they have $48 attached to his name right no that's
1: that's real i was just gonna say for everybody watching live whether it's on the orange and black insider youtube channel or zim huda's youtube channel please don't forget to hit that subscribe button we got over 400 people watching live now, if you're watching us through the Cincy Jungle Facebook, please be sure to leave us a like there. And you can also find this, if you're listening to this, um, under the Scentsy Jungle podcast, so wherever you get your podcast. We're going to have this on audio form. We've got a ton of draft content, uh, whether it's from the OBI, Matt Minnick, the Orange is the New Black podcast. We're all under there. We're all loaded with content. And we would love to have you guys listening. I see a lot of you guys excited here in the chat. So just wanted to make sure. Don't get forget fired to hit, up. That, hit that subscribe button. Get fired
0: sure. up then. I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of glad that Matt isn't here. Because every time he's on here, I, I always have to be like, well, you know what? Let me put some bass in my voice. It is the first time I get to talk to you guys and really talk. Because Matt sounds like Barry White every damn time. He, he's like kicking my ass on here or whatever. I can really talk oh. like I really talk. Like, thanks, Matt. <laughs>
1: Well, uh, that's all I had. Was there anything that you guys wanted to discuss before we get out of here? I know we're all, we're all tired from the draft. There's <laughs> been a lot of content coming out. Uh, well, guys, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, this has been the Cincy Jungle uh, Super Draft Show post-draft. And as usual, we're going to leave you guys with a hootay. Hello, world. What separated your deep ball from
0: everybody else? My deep ball, it has little no secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> uh, never get too high, never get too low, but just keep
1: moving. The, the whole story is Carlos never beat me.